My name is Mary Conquest. I'm your host for Safety Labs by Slice, the podcast where we explore the human side of safety to support safety professionals. We move past regulations and reportables to talk about the core skills of safety leadership, empathy, influence, trust, rapport, in other words, the soft skills that help you do the hard stuff. Hi there. Welcome to Safety Labs by Slice. What's the difference between leading and coaching? What challenges are leaders facing today? What skills should a coaching leader focus on developing? And what does this all have to do with occupational health and safety? To help us explore this, I'll be talking to the author of The Coaching Leader, Essential Skills to Enhance Your Leadership and Develop Your People Every Day. Clifford Morgan is an organizational psychologist and leadership expert with over 15 years of service in the Royal Australian Air Force. He's trained hundreds of leaders, both in uniform and out, to use coaching skills to develop people and lead more effectively. Clifford has coached CEOs, military commanders, government executives, and business and community leaders across a variety of industries. His services include team development, leadership coaching, workplace performance coaching, and facilitating organizational development solutions. He holds a master's degree in organizational psychology from the University of Queensland, and Cliff's passionate commitment to leadership coaching has inspired leaders and teams across Australia to work more creatively and effectively. Clifford joins us from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome. Well, thank you uh, for having me on, uh, Mary. It's uh, great to be here this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing, folks, because it's morning for him, afternoon for me. That's right, yes. Uh, <laughs> let's start with some definitions. In the book, you make some distinctions between leading, coaching, directing, mentoring, all of which I think a lot of people use interchangeably. So how do you define those and, and how do they relate to one another? Yeah, certainly. So, uh, first of all, I guess starting with the, the the big one, right? Leadership, and there are thousands of different definitions of what leadership is, and and ultimately, from my perspective, they all kind of boil down to some different version of it's influencing a group of people to achieve a common goal, and so that's this kind of the the influencing people is is really what leadership is, right? John, John Maxwell is probably the most succinct definition that, that I've heard, and that's leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And so uh, when we start pulling out some of the differences between leaders, it's really the mechanisms that they use to actually influence people. We have the kind of traditional, you know, more directive style of, of influence, which is uh, because I am the leader and the position that I hold and the experience that I have, I'm going to tell you what to do, right? Based on the authority that I have, the, the experience and all that sort of stuff, I, I know what the best thing is because higher up in the organization have told me or based on my experience, I know what the, the best thing in order to achieve the common goal is. So I'm going to tell you what to do. And that's the more directive style of leadership. And then kind of on the other end of the spectrum, I talk about particularly in the book around kind of coaching, right? It's really asking questions and it's taking people on a journey to help them realize what the best solution is or the best way to achieve the goal and getting them to come up with those answers and so it's all about asking strategic questions so coaching itself if you you want a definition is really that it's asking strategic questions that allow the individual being coached to identify solutions or ways forward to overcome challenges themselves right and over time as they get taken through that process enough uh you know ultimately kind of the, the end game is that they self-coach and they can take themselves through that same process so the other common definition that, that's often thrown in the mix there mary is uh, mentoring you know often coaching and mentoring is used interchangeably in whatever context a mentor, you go to a mentor for their advice. You go to leverage their experience in a particular area or field in, in order to you know, figure out what your next move is. And so if you think about what some of the things mentors might say, it's like, my advice to you is based on my experience, I recommend that you do this. When I was in a similar experience, this is how I dealt with it. It's all based on their experience. A coach, however, in a pure coaching context, 
the coach is simply asking questions. They're not sharing their experience at all. They're helping the individual to leverage their own experience to come up with the solution or, or the answer to whatever we're talking about. And so that's really empowering in, in many ways for the individual leader when, when they're coaching because it, it means that they're not under kind of all this pressure to have all the answers. And if they are encountering something for the first time and they don't have experience in that area and that, you know, the, the people they're leading are looking to them for the answers, it's not like, well, I don't have experience, so therefore I'm failing as a leader, right? You can simply ask questions to find the answers. And what it also allows leaders to do really effectively is lead people in roles that they haven't been in themselves. And so, you know, for me as a, a coach and a leader, I've coached and led Air Force fast jet pilots. I've never sat in the pocket of, of a plane. I've coached lawyers and I've never stepped into a court of law. I've coached medical doctors and obviously I don't have a medical degree. So, you know, the skill set of being able to ask strategic and effective questions to draw out the answers in others is allows you a greater agility and versatility as a leader to lead in a broader kind of context. So leadership is the overarching kind of banner. In terms of the mechanisms of influence, at one end, we've got very directive side of things, telling people what to do. On the other end, it's much more, it's the coaching approach where we're asking them questions to help them figure out what they want to do. And in that middle kind of piece is uh, is the mentoring side of things. And, and what I say is the coaching skills, wherever you need to sit along that spectrum, can enhance the way that you do those things. So a colleague of mine, Air Commodore Ian Scott, uh, has this great quote where he says, good mentors will use coaching skills, but a good coach will never mentor. And so he's kind of taking that as a mentor. You can leverage your experience. And you can use coaching skills to help people make the most of that experience. But a good coach, if, if they are pure coaching, will will never kind of jump in and give advice. So that hopefully should clarify sort of where things sit for your listeners. I have a spectrum in my mind's eye now uh, between the sort of the directive on one end, the coaching on the other, and then the mentorship sort of in between. So that's if, if that's accurate, then excellent answer because <laughs> I understood. Yes, yes, that's accurate. <laughs> so you talk about uh, leaders having a primary and a secondary level of responsibility. Can you explain to our listeners what you mean by that? Yeah, certainly. So uh, in the book, I, I use the analogy of a captain and a first officer, an airline pilot. So I've, I've got a, a grandfather, two uncles, three cousins, and a brother who are all pilots. So flying is, is in the blood. And, and I, I didn't end up flying, but I ended up in the Air Force for 17 years. So uh, being around aviation is, is key to our family, I guess. But in that scenario and that example, we talk about the captain being the leader of the aircrew. He has a primary responsibility, and in that case, it's to get the aircraft and the passengers from point A to point B safely. And he can choose to do that in two very different ways. Uh, he can take full responsibility for that and take full control of everything that happens to ensure that that responsibility is carried out to the best. And that means he flies the plane and he lands it and he does everything to make sure it's done right and safe. But when I talk to my brother, who's a first officer, about the differences between a good captain and a great captain, he says the great ones uh, always try and empower the first officers as much as possible. They'll sit back and allow the first officers to do as much flying as possible so that they get the experience that they need to become future captains for the airline. And in that way, those captains, yes, they're taking overall responsibility for getting the aircraft and the passengers from point A to point B, but they're also taking responsibility for developing the captain's capability within the organisation, within the airline. And so they are contributing to this pipeline of future captains that can come and you know uh, fly aircraft and, and lead aircrew and, and whatnot for the airlines. And that's true in any organisation and in any context. If you're a leader... Really, you, yes, you have a kind of a primary role of influencing people to achieve a common goal to drive performance from the teams and the people that you lead. But at the same time, you also have this responsibility to develop the future capability within the organisation. 
to create this pipeline of leaders so that uh, as the organization kind of grows or as you move on as a leader, you've got someone who is ready to step up and fill your shoes or meet the requirements of the organization. So I talk about the, the two primary responsibilities, you know, one being performance, but two being uh, the organizational capability development and or the leadership capability development has been really important from a leadership perspective. And if I'm honest and I, you know, my perspective is that if you are looking to ensure the sustainability of the organization and achieve high performance over the long term, it's actually the leadership development that needs to be really the focus, I guess, or, or have a really intentional focus because performance can go up and down and, and it's dependent on a whole lot of external factors and that sort of thing. But you can always invest into people. You can always develop leaders. And the more that you do that, the greater leadership capability at every level in the organisation. If you've got every level of the organisation driving performance, not just some, some leaders up the top and everybody else following, then the performance over the long term is always going to be greater. So that kind of overlays really nicely with the idea of directive versus coaching, right? In directive leadership, as you talked about, you are mm-hmm. meeting that primary responsibility. But with coaching, you are also educating in a sense or enabling someone to educate themselves is maybe a little more accurate. Yeah, 100%. So how do you think leadership and coaching development are most relevant, I'm sure they're relevant in many ways, but most relevant to health and safety professionals? Yeah, certainly. So in many, many different ways, but uh, let's just pull out a, a few of them, right? So when I think about health and safety professionals, that uh, you know, I, I'm not one, but uh, as I, I mentioned, I, I have led health and safety professionals. I, I've coached them. I've, I've worked alongside them in a number of different projects and initiatives in different organisations and contexts. For me, I guess there's two main ways, right? And so, and that kind of comes with the organisational safety initiatives, or the, the project, or whatever kind of the, the organisational system type thing that health and safety professionals are involved in and trying to get up within the organisation. And then the other one is kind of the more one-on-one individual type thing. So going to, to the organisational one, you've often got to get people on board with those initiatives, right? And you've got to you, you say, okay, cool, here's the initiative. This is what we're going to do. We're going to roll this out. And if people aren't on board, then you just hit resistance the entire time. And it's really hard to achieve anything that you're trying to with that initiative. So from a a coaching perspective, right, again, it's asking strategic questions. Now, one of the things that I'm I'm passionate about is I'm not trying to create a bunch of executive coaches. I'm trying to create uh, or equip a bunch of leaders who have coaching skills to use. Now, in this kind of context, you know, a health and safety leader would be potentially, if they're using coaching skills, asking questions to get people to think about what are the you know what is this initiative trying to achieve? What are the second, third, fourth order effects, right, of what things are doing? How are the changes that are going to result from this initiative going to benefit you know, whoever you're talking to, whether that's a, a group or whatnot? And you know what are some of the consequences of not changing? You know, so often we, we focus on here's what we are doing and here's what we're moving towards and let's go and chase this. And that's, that's a very much a, a pull motivation to strategy or, a, you know, it's a moving towards. But you, you know what, there, there's, in, in terms of the emotional drivers of action and motivation, fear is a really big one, right? And some people are more driven by fear and we don't want to lead by fear. We don't want to rule by fear. But there are times when it can be a really effective lever to use to influence people and so having a discussion around hey if you don't jump on board with this initiative what are going to be the consequences of that and just asking questions to tease that out and actually you're not telling them anything you're not saying hey if you do this this is the consequence and and you're hitting it with a stick you're just sitting there and go hey what happens here if everybody moves that way and you're stuck back here and you haven't jumped on board with this initiative what are the consequences of that going to be and getting them to kind of tell you and pull that out uh, can actually be uh, a really powerful strategy to create action and get them to jump on board. Yeah, I was going to say people don't like 
change. And, and that's maybe a good way to just to get them to think about the bigger pictures. Like, I know this is uncomfortable for whatever reason that it's change and we don't like change. However, let's think about, you know, the pain of not changing will one day be greater. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's what, when I, when I start talking about the psychology of change, right, you know, people fear what they don't know and all this uncertainty. So we're trying to give them as much certainty as they can. And what I always say is that we want to minimize the threat and maximize the reward. So, you know, people feel like the, the threat or the, the sense of loss that they're going to go through with the change is, is minimal. Whereas, you know, what they're going to gain is, is higher. And, and that's, you know, for the majority of people, that's an effective way to go about it. However, if you are encountering people who are really resistant and they're stuck and they're not budging and they're not doing, that's when I say we potentially dial up the fear-based stuff and the threat. And again, it's not threatening them, but it's asking them questions so that they actually consider what those consequences are. Because most people don't. They just go, I'm not going to change, I'm not going to, you know, and, and, you know, I'll be fine. But they don't actually stop and consider what are the second and third, fourth order effects of the decisions that they make. And so really what, what coaching is, is trying to get people to think in a different way from a different perspective. And so, you know, that's just the context of how you're getting them to think in a different perspective. The other kind of way that I mentioned, you know, from a health and safety perspective is the one-on-one interaction. It's not necessarily relating to organizational initiatives, but it's the one-on-one. And that can, you know, for, for my, the two most common kind of scenarios that I've dealt with in this space is one where, you know, other leaders or people in the organization are not willing to take responsibility for some of the safety risks and things in their world. And they're like, oh, that's, that's health and safety's job. And so, I, again, you know, a really good, uh, safety leader who's got coaching skills in their leadership toolkit can then approach that and go, well, okay, cool. So just just run me through this. All right. So who's, you know, it might be whose area, you know, does this risk fall in? You know, ultimately who's responsible for this particular area? What do you think is part of your responsibility? You're asking them all these questions again, getting them to think. And if, if you're able to say, well, hey, ultimately I'm the leader of this particular area and you know, I'm actually responsible for what goes on in this particular area and with this particular team. And therefore, ultimately, kind of, I, I realize that the risk now lives with me. Then you, what you can do is actually facilitate a sense of ownership in the leaders that you're talking with around some of the safety risks. And therefore, they're taking action on them, which results in better health and safety outcomes. But it's also a, a reduction in workload on the the safety leader, right, uh, yeah. which is always always a big benefit. The other one is around some of the more well-being type scenarios and uh, just coaching people and getting think, people to think about, well, hey, what does, you know, good well-being look like for you as an individual? Because that that is quite, uh, it is it differs from individual to individual. What, you know, refreshes somebody, helps them to recover from work and boosts them up and, and that sort of thing is, you know, for me, it's going to be very different for you and and so help if and and often people will come and they might confide in the safety leader and say hey i'm actually having a really hard time here and the safety leader doesn't have to have all the answers right because that could be that's my job as a psychologist it's not not their job so it's just a matter of having some skills some questions to ask and say hey well you know what have you done in the past when things have been really stressful that have made you feel better and be able to cope with stress more you know, how could you do some more of those things in the current season? You know, what would you need to put in place in order to be able to engage in those activities a little bit more? And you can see those questions, uh, you don't have to be a psychologist to ask them and, you know, you're actually not telling them anything. And so it's Mm -hmm. one, there's a, you can't get done for giving advice around something that's not your area of expertise. But two, you are actually genuinely helping that individual in front of you to figure out what they need to do in order to, you know, maintain their well-being and, and perform in the workplace and, and all of that. So so when it comes to health and safety, it's it generally those two things. It's asking strategic questions to get on board with initiatives and then it's the individual, you know, asking questions to help foster ownership and, and responsibility but also kind of, you know, work through some of those more delicate well-being type scenarios, I guess. Yeah, what I was thinking actually was on the individual level, I hear from a lot of uh, health and safety people that it's 
challenging. It, it can be difficult, but it's crucial, absolutely crucial to get people on the front line, whatever that looks like, mm. to talk to you about risks because they're the ones who are going to see the risks. And so it was yeah. just sort of occurring to me that having this skill of asking questions and developing trust is mm -hmm. a good way to get people comfortable with coming to you and saying, you know, I noticed that this piece of equipment isn't working quite mm. as well as it should or, or whatever, whatever risk that they see. So I was thinking it, those skills would be helpful in that scenario. Yeah, 100%. And if you're consistent in, in using them, what actually happens is people because you're really what you're asking strategic questions to get people to come up with the answer. So they're going to have insight, right? When people have a, a flash of insight, uh, you know, one of those penny drop moments and, and things like that, they're actually going to flash a spike of dopamine in their head, right? Which is, you know, what we, we associate with feeling good. So, and if you're kind of consistently asking these questions, people are consistently kind of having insights whenever they speak to you, they're actually going to walk away saying, I actually feel really good about that. That means there's going to be a, a level of connection there. It's going to foster this this trust, right? It creates what we, from a psychological perspective, a halo bias, right? It's every time I interact with you, then I feel good about it. So therefore, every time I interact with you, I'm going to interpret that in a really positive way. Whether or not, you know, it could be interpreted multiple ways, I'm going to choose to um, interpret that in a positive way because I feel good every time that I'm, I'm with you. And, and that's, you know, very much a kind of a underpins the building of trust in, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, crucial in those scenarios. So let's now zoom out a little bit. And I'm sure the audience will be hearing all this stuff. We'll be talking about leaders, but of course, we're talking about safety leaders. But as it's wider than that and it affects others, then we'll just be talking in terms of leaders. So my next question is, what are the main challenges that leaders in today's workplace are facing? Yeah, so so there's so many, right? <laughs> it's, it's <a laughs> you you can pick a few. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it is a tough time to lead. Two, two big ones that I'll pull out, right? One is that a lot of people haven't, they don't know what good looks like. They've never seen a, a really great leader who coaches and develops their people as well as builds performance. And so they don't necessarily have an idea in their mind of what they're trying to emulate or, you know, they don't necessarily have a great role model. They might see people on social media or, you know, know of people who are great leaders, but they, they probably haven't actually been led by them. And so they haven't been close to them to see how do they actually run a meeting? How do they have a difficult conversation? How do they you know, use coaching skills in the small moments to, you know, lay the foundation to be able to use them in the big moments and all that sort of thing. In many ways, they know they should be developing people, but they don't necessarily know what they're trying to do and achieve. So that, that's probably uh, one big challenge for a lot of leaders today. The other big one that I get all the time, and, and it is a reality, is, is that I don't have time to coach mm, um, yeah. you know yeah <laughs> that's right i mean we are so busy we are so connected our to-do lists are among our long and they just kind of keep growing right the calendar's full how do we find the time to coach and one of the reasons why leaders rely on telling their people what to do is that it's quick right it's easy and we get the solution that we want or you know there's kind of three keys but but every time we tell people what to do and we give them a solution, they go away and implement, then it all goes well and, and that's awesome. But what happens next time they encounter a problem? They go to the source of their last solution, which is you, the leader. And so you become the bottleneck in the organization because everybody is coming to you. Essentially, we've trained our people to be passive problem presenters. But they just, you know, I've got a problem, here it is, present it to you. But And so therefore, we become the the bottleneck, uh, and and we have even less time than what we had originally. And so, you know, coaching does take a, a little bit of an investment in terms of time. But uh, I always ask myself this question, and, and and it comes from when I was listening. I was sorry, sitting down having coffee with a a leader that I had in my um, you know early years, and he had a massive capacity. He carried so many different portfolios, and I said, how do you do it all? How do you, you know, how do you have such a, a big capacity? And he said, I'm constantly asking myself this question. What do I need to do today in order to give me more time in six weeks or six months? 
And he said, so often what I need to do today is going to be inconvenient, but I know that the payoff is going to be in the long term. If I invest the time today, and it might be that, hey, I, you know, spend, it might be 15 minutes, it might be half an hour more than I, I would if I was going to just give someone a direction. And, and it might take a little bit more time at the front end. But I tell you what, at the back end, it gives you so much more time back because essentially you've developed the capability. They have, they're more proactive. They've got more initiative. They've got more understanding and, and, and ability to do things more independently. So they go and run with it. And, and what ends up happening is that people start solving their own problems before you even hear about it. And so I, I always challenge, you know, people say, that, oh, I don't have time. I go, yeah, I, I get it. I, really difficult but um how do you not have the time to coach if you think long term Mm. it's one of those things that if you make the investment today you're going to reap the rewards down the track and if you don't then you're only going to have less time in the future and so it's it's a bit of a perspective shift and a mindset shift that's required but very much a real kind of problem and and i'm I'm coaching a group of the group of leaders at the moment partnership in a law firm they're absolutely smashed i'm like don't try and turn every interaction into a coaching interaction just try and make a little bit of progress every day and if you're using coaching skills as part of a conversation and you're just prompting a little bit more thinking and then giving the direction then hey you're still making progress right and, and that I think is a, a key thing for a, a lot of people that I work, work with and go through my program and they, they're trying to turn every interaction they have into a coaching interaction ad. It's just not realistic. And so what I say is that you've got to teach, you've got to give direction, try and dovetail that direction with a couple of coaching questions. You ask a question, you know, at the front end and it might be, so let's, let's say, you know, safety leader is walking in and there's a particular risk or hazard that is in front of them and that needs to be dealt with straight away. And yeah, so you might call over, you know, area manager or whoever it is in this context and you say, hey, put yourself here in, in my shoes as a safety leader. What do you see right now? And get them to stand out and then highlight what the hazard is. And you might say, hey, what do you think needs to happen? All right, and just get them to think about that. And then you go, okay, cool. What I need you to do is boom, 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 boom. Give the direction, right? And then at the end of that, you might go, hey, what do you think we need to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again, right? And so you've dovetailed the direction with a couple of coaching questions. You've encouraged them to start thinking critically about the situation and the hazard, the risk that's in front of them. And therefore, you know, you're fostering them thinking that way next time they encounter uh, something of that nature. So in that way, you're using coaching skills to enhance the way that you give the direction. And so that's often a, not necessarily a compromise, right? But it's, you're still providing the, the quick direction that needs to happen, but you're doing it in a way that prompts their learning as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a little more realistic than being all one or all the other. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I said before. I, I'm a big believer we don't need to fill our companies full of executive coaches. Because every conversation would be drawn out. Every conversation would be <laughs> well, drawn about learning. Think? What do you think? hundred <laughs> percent, right? We need leaders to lead and we need them to make decisions. We need them to give direction. But we need them also to temper that and do it in a way that develops people. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, kind of my big thing is if you, you can lead in a way that transforms your people that you lead into better versions of themselves, then they become, you know, better people is, is more high-performing employees, which means more high-performing teams and, and better companies, right? But, you know, kind of the, the altruistic side of that is that those better people go home and be better husbands, fathers, mothers, wives, mm. and we've got better families and better communities as a result of that as well. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do is because I've seen the destructive nature of poor leadership and I wage a war against the perpetuation of poor leadership. But I've seen the transformative, amazing power of good leadership. And uh, I really want to equip leaders to lead in that way. That's wonderful. <laughs> I wish you well in all, in every ripple effect, because it's true. Happy people at work are happy people at home and, and vice versa. Mm. You mentioned mindset just a few minutes ago. Yeah. What role do mindset and skill set play in leadership development yeah so really critical right and 
kind of mind, mindset allows you to employ your skill set in the most effective way possible. Skill set, uh, obviously, is what you do, the mechanics of coaching, which is, uh, you know, a lot of it is I, I talk about, you know, effective listening. You've got to listen to, you know, what questions to ask. It's then how do I ask effective questions? What are the models that I might use to communicate, you know, some of the concepts that I'm, I'm talking about or um, get people to, to do all of that? You can do all that really effectively, right? However, if your mindset is not supportive of that, then people are going to pick that up, right? There's going to be an inauthenticity there or an incongruency uh, around the way that you're doing it. So if you don't actually, if you're using coaching techniques and strategies, but you actually don't believe that the individual in front of you is capable of, you know, achieving higher performance or doing more, you don't believe in kind of the coaching methodology, then it's going to come across in the in the way that you ask the coaching questions. And so therefore it's not going to be effective. People are going to pick up and they go, oh, oh. And, and, and there's also a degree, right, where you're not even going to start to coach if you don't have a mindset and a belief that, you know, coaching is effective. So, um, you know, I, I talk about a, a couple of key elements of the mindset of affecting coaching leadership. And one is a long-term focus, right? And we've kind of spoken about the investment now brings the rewards tomorrow. And so that, that's kind of a foundational component of it. Another is the growth mindset. And, uh, you know, some of the, the work that comes out of Carol Dweck over in the States is, is really powerful in that space and demonstrating that if you believe that if you put in enough effort and intention and time, then you can actually develop your skill set, you can develop your capability, but also you can have an influence on the world around you uh, is also very much part of that. The, the opposite of a growth mindset is a fixed mindset and they're like, everything's fixed, it is what it is and doesn't matter how much time, energy and effort I put in, I'm not going to make a, a, a change. And so you can have a fixed mindset about a person, you can have a fixed mindset about a situation, uh, you can have a fixed mindset about yourself or you can have a growth mindset and say that, hey, understand that this is the current situation or that's the current level of ability of that person. If I put in time, energy and effort, then I can make it make a difference. I might be able to change the environment. I might be able to change the situation. I might be able to influence people. You know, there's no point kind of trying to take a coaching approach if you don't believe that that change is possible, right? And so they're kind of the, the two foundational ones there. Um, I talk about some others around, you know, believing that people have the ability within themselves to you know, uh, come up with the solutions and problems. If you, again, if you don't believe that that's the case, then, uh, you know, why, why coach ultimately? So, you know, and, and some other ones around, you know, going first, um, you know, leadership or never be, never ask people to do something they're not willing to do themselves. And so, you know, you should be kind of coaching yourself as much as coaching others and receive coaching yourself. Go and get a coach, uh, I think is a, an important part because. You know, whenever I'm running the coaching leader program or I'm training and equipping leaders to coach, part of that is coaching them. And that's so that they actually understand what it's like to be coached mm. so that they know. Because if they, they don't, they're kind of asking all these really hard questions. Yeah. And hard <laughs> it and sounds like an stuff. interrogation. Yeah, and, and 100%. <laughs> and their people are just sitting there going, ah, and then they come back and go, why? this isn't working and I'm like well, do, you, do you experience like have you been on the other side of what you're doing to these people and so once they have that experience that tempers the way that they ask the questions and the way that they use their coaching skills so you know that that's a an important aspect to the, the program as well so talk to me a little bit about goals. Mm. What do you think is the most or a very common mistake that people make when they're setting goals? Yeah, so I guess the, the biggest one is clarity and, and not getting specific enough, not getting clear enough. The number of times I'll sit down with a CEO or an executive and they'll talk to me about whatever the problem is. I'm like, okay, cool. So in this situation, what is it you actually want? Uh, just get this blank stare right yeah people say oh i, I want to do this uh you know i, I, I want to be fit all right i want to be healthy i want to have lots mm. of money or i you know i want this problem to go away in my business you know i just wish that you know everybody jump on board with this safety initiative all well and good but they're kind of like wishes they're aspirations they're not goals right and so 
when you actually take the time to sit down and go, what is it that I actually want? Let's get specific around what does the end state and the outcome look like? What are the impacts of that? And once people get super clear on that, generally I find people can figure out what they need to do to get there, but people don't spend the time to get clear around what it is they want to achieve in the first place, which is part of the reason why they struggle so much to achieve their goals and that sort of thing. So getting super clear, I mean, in the, in the book, I talk about the SMART goal process, which you know many of your listeners would, would know. So getting really specific, making sure it's measurable, making sure it's achievable, making sure it's realistic and making sure it's got a time. I put two other Ps on the end of that formula. And so I talk about being positively framed. So people move towards what they focus on. And so if you're focusing on stopping something, then it's kind of negatively framed. It's it's the thing that right. you don't want to do. But if you're focused on the thing that you don't want to do, you're actually thinking about that thing you don't want to do and you're probably more likely to actually move towards it, right? Whereas if you're focusing on what you do want to achieve, what you do want to do, then you're more likely to actually engage in that thing. And the other one is a connection to purpose. You've got to kind of understand why do you do what you do? Um, you know, I've got to, so uh, again, like a, a lot of leaders don't, they haven't taken the time to clearly articulate what their sense of purpose is as an individual leader. And so they can't, if they haven't articulated that, they can't kind of link their goal to it, right? But so often the same with, you know, organizational initiatives and, and that sort of thing, right? It's, yes, we want to do this to achieve this outcome, but hey, let's take a, take a moment what's the purpose behind this how we really clear on why we're doing this and, and again if you haven't taken the time to get that clarity then you can't leverage that clarity to really provide the motivation behind the goal or the initiative the outcome that you're, you're trying to achieve there so so yeah i think that the biggest one of the biggest things for a lot of people is they just don't get super clear on what their goal is and why they want to achieve it when people do, generally, I, I find that they can figure out what they need to do to achieve it once, they, once they've got that level of clarity. I've heard that before, and along with the idea that, and if you don't have an idea how to do it, there's this thing called the internet. <laughs> no matter what goal you have, there will be information that will help you get there because someone else yeah. will have done it. Yeah, <laughs> and and, you know, and so, so often people come to me and we're, we're talking through in a coaching session around, hey, I want to achieve this, but I've got no idea how to do it. Right. And again, if I'm taking the coaching approach, I don't want to tell them what to do because that makes them reliant on me or somebody else telling them how to achieve their goals. And so it's, it, it's a matter of, okay, where, where could you find out? Who could you speak to? What processes could you go through in order to find out what you need? And what do you need to learn? And where could you learn that in order to achieve your goal? Right. And so you're asking all these sorts of questions. And, and, and again, it's well within their capability to do all of that. They just haven't thought about it, right? And so that coaching approach is getting them to take a step back and potentially to the side, viewing it from a slightly different perspective and saying, well, you know what? I could jump on the internet and watch some YouTube videos about that particular topic. I could, you know, I know this particular person who's done that in the past. I probably could go and grab coffee with them. But they haven't actually thought about that because they're focused on the problem, right? A good friend of mine, Daryl Stubblefield, taught me a long time ago, you're talking this concept of if you lock onto a problem, you lock out solutions. Mm. And so what you need to unlock from what you're currently focused so that you can open the doors, take the blinkers off, and then see all the possible solutions that are available to you. And I think that's so often the case. Yeah, good advice. Talk to me about coaching across different levels. So by that, I mean coaching up, coaching down, and I assume there's sort of coaching laterally as well. How do you kind of define those and do they require different skills? So, so often it doesn't necessarily require different skills, but it's how you employ those skills that, that changes, right? There's a different context. And so you've just got to uh, employ the same skills in a slightly different way to match the context that you are in. So when people think about coaching, they always just think about coaching down, right? The people that you right. lead. Yeah. That's natural. And for the majority of leaders, that's where they use coaching skills the most. But when we start talking about a, an organizational coaching culture, I guess, that's where 
you know, yes, formal coaching occurs in terms of the one-on-one, but there's a whole lot of informal coaching that occurs and coaching skills are used as a support mechanism and a natural way of interacting sideways and, and upwards. Uh, you know, I, I coach a lot of people around coaching up, right, coaching their leader, coaching their manager, and particularly if you've got a, a difficult manager or you've got one of those those leaders who it's got to be their idea, right? Uh, yep. <laughs> so often coaching skills are great in that context. And, you know, one, it allows you to get absolute clarity and aligns yourself. And so, you know, you can, you can come to your leader and say, hey, boss, you know, you gave me this particular task. I just want to get clear on a couple of things so I know I'm meeting your expectations and we're achieving what we need to. So having thought about it, the outcome of this particular task and the thing that we're trying to achieve is, whatever it is, is that right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then you might, might go, okay, cool. So what I've thought, uh, I've thought about the, the kind of context, the reality that we're operating in at the moment, and these are the major considerations that we need to take into account. Uh, have I missed any? Mm. And then you, you might go, all right, so if, if that's the case, I've thought about these three different particular courses of action, and I've, I've had a, a thought about the pros and cons, and I reckon this one is the best one, and this is why. And this is what I do to start implementing that. Does that align with your thinking? Mm-hmm. All right. And, and so essentially what you've done there is you've gone through the GROW model, which is a coaching model that's outlined in the book, but you're kind of reflecting that back to your leader and you're giving them the opportunity to have input. You're not telling them what needs to be done. You're just asking their questions to draw some of that out of them. And at the end of that conversation, you're, you're both 100% aligned on what you're, you're going to be doing and, and achieving and how you're going to, going to do that. So, you know, you can walk away with confidence that they, one day will, your leader will have confidence in you, but two, you can have confidence that they're going to be happy with kind of what you've delivered, right? Yeah. And so, and, and you have a whole lot of influence around that because you can highlight what you consider to be the most important considerations in, you know, that particular context. And you can promote what you think the outcome should be and because the reality is, you know, un- unless your, your leader's pretty switched on, they probably haven't thought about what the end state and the outcomes are, right? If they're like most leaders, they're so busy, they're going, okay, cool, we've got to do this, we're going to give that to you. They haven't actually thought through everything. So if you do that thinking first, you can shape their thinking when you reflect that back to them, right? Mm-hmm. And so using all these coaching skills to, to influence up, to clarify, to align, and, and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've used that myself, but, uh, you know, a number of my people that I, I coach, the executives I coach, they come back and, oh, that was amazing. <laughs> and, and I think that's particularly relevant for safety professionals, right? Because so many safety leaders will report into leaders who have come up from other disciplines. They're, you know, they're executives. They might hold the health and safety portfolio, but they're probably not a health and safety person in, in many cases. And so, they may not prioritize the same, you know, considerations or, you know, hold the same set of priorities that career health and safety professionals will. And so you will have to kind of shape and influence in order to make sure the organization is prioritizing uh, some of those safety considerations. And, you know, from my perspective, coaching skills are a great way to do that. It occurs to me too that it would be a really good way to pull out unspoken assumptions because we all have assumptions that we go by and we're not always aware that we're making assumptions until someone mm-hmm. says, is there something I'm missing? And you say, well, you're missing this particular thing. And, and oh, yeah. well, why is that? You know, it pulls out just some things we've assumed that maybe should be spoken, even if they're correct, whether they're correct or not, right? It's making the implicit explicit. And in, in that, when you do that, it clarifies, understand everybody's on the same page, Right. So often, if you're inferring intent or, you know, you're making assumptions, well, we know, know what happens when you make <laughs> yeah. assumptions. Yes, we do. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. I have to, I'm going to, I have to move on towards the ending questions here, but this has been really interesting. But I have some more questions that I think are always interesting. I ask every guest these, so don't be scared. <laughs> The first one is, uh, I'll be calling it the University of Clifford. So if you were to be tasked with training tomorrow's safety professionals, 
what kind of, and then let's put aside all technical skills that they need to know, what kind of soft skill training would you give them? I think coaching is a fairly obvious answer, but is there anything within that that you think would be particularly useful? Yes, I'm a massive believer in coaching and I think coaching is going to help and enhance everything that you do. So putting that aside, I think two things. One is understanding people and so understanding, just getting a basic understanding of personalities, different personalities and how how to use and leverage those. And the second one is just communication, presence and confidence and how do you communicate effectively and speak effectively. And while we're not expecting safety professionals to, you know, jump up on a stage and and speak to a thousand people, the ability to speak clearly and confidently, that inspires confidence and competence or a perception of competence and therefore confidence in you. And if you're trying to get people on board with a particular safety initiative and you're coming across as, you know, you're really nervous and you're you're not... Mm -hmm coming across as a competent professional, then they're not going to have faith in the initiative. So the ability to speak really clearly and confidently is a really important skill set for for professionals in in that context. And I think that the bridge between the two, right, understanding personality and, and communication, I talk about the underlying principle of influence is understand the priorities of the individual or the audience that you're speaking to and then frame your request as a contribution to their priorities. So that priority might be personality-based, it might be role-based, it might be values-based. But what's important to them, if they understand what you're asking them to do, is you're going to get them more, what's important to them, what they've already bought into, they'll buy into your request. And so, yeah, those, those couple of areas. Great. And if you could go back in time to the beginning of your career, is there a piece of advice that you would give young Clifford? Yeah, so there's a couple. One I would say is is buy more coffees. Yeah, is often the, the one. <laughs> and uh, you know, yes, yes, I love coffee, and and drinking too much is probably not good for you. However, having just having coffee with someone is amazing to one mm-hmm. build your network, so that you get to know a, a much broader range of people. You get to learn from a much broader range of people, and the the number of opportunities for you you know, increase exponentially uh, with every person that you kind of have coffee with, right? But the other thing is it's a really great way to build connection and to build relationships, to build trust that we were speaking about before. And I think that is absolutely critical for safety leaders within a large organisational context. They need to have some of those relationships, right? They need to get safety initiatives off the ground. They need to... um, get individual executives to champion their initiative in order to get movement from, you know, their teams and departments. And so the more relationships they can build, connection that they can build with individual leaders throughout the organisation, the more effective they are going to be at their role. Yeah. You can always get decaf. Remember that, people, <laughs> if it's too much. I've got, if there's an Italian hot chocolate where we're having coffee, then I'll... Perfect. Perfect. So again, there's sort of an obvious answer to this question, which is how can our listeners learn more about the topics in our discussion today? So of Mm. course, there's the book you've written. (laughs) Yeah. So there's the book, right? Which is always great. And there's the book and we will have it, we'll have it linked in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we usually show a little picture of the cover, the coaching leader, but are there other sort of books or websites or even concepts that you think would be a good thing for people to look up if they're interested in this sort of thing? So there is a, a wealth of, of information out there, right? So uh, a couple of other books that I, I think are, you know, some of my favorite, they're, they're the books that I wish I'd written. <laughs> Have a look at Michael Bungay Stania, right? So he's an Australian who lives in Canada now, is one of the world's best coaches. So he's written The Coaching Habit, which is uh, an amazing book. Uh, also The Advice Trap, and uh, uh, his most recent one is, one is How to Begin. But he is an amazing coach. He's an amazing educator, and some of his books are, are brilliant. Another great one, if, if you're particularly interested around kind of coaching culture and getting coaching throughout your organisation, is a book called Bring Out Your Best, and it's by Natalie Ashdown. And she's actually, she was the one that taught me how to coach way back when, right? 
And so she she's an amazing coach herself, but her, her book, Bring Out the Best, yes, it covers some coaching skills and that sort of thing, but the main focus is how do we build a coaching culture? How do we get coaching into the workplace? Particularly if you're you're thinking about how do I apply coaching and developing capability and getting people on, you know, using it to enhance safety initiatives and, you know, more systematically, mm-hmm. I think that's a brilliant one. There's plenty of, you know, kind of short online courses and, and that sort of thing. You might want to check out, you know, ICF is the International Coaching Federation. It's kind of like one of the, one of the global bodies. The, the other one that's really good is the Association for Coaching. I've been a member of both of those and, and they're, you know, there's some really good stuff out there training material wise and that from them so yeah check it out there's there's plenty of stuff out there what i would say with coaching is it it is an unregulated profession so Mm. anyone can stick up their shingle tomorrow and say i'm a coach and start coaching so if you are looking for a coach or you're looking for coach training make sure that there's some sort of accreditation by some sort of body Mm -hmm. there rather than just getting anyone off the street yeah do your homework always in that vein where can our listeners find you on the web yeah, so uh, so cliffordmorgan.com.au is the best place. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. And so come, come and track me down, reach me out, connect and say, hey, if you've got any questions, I'd love to be able to answer those. For any of those that, that are really interested, I'd love to give them a copy of a, a quick beginner's guide to having a coaching conversation. If you go to the website, cliffordmorgan.com.au, you can download that one for free. And it will give you a coaching model, a whole bunch of questions and a whole bunch of information around how to start. You can take that and start coaching straight away. You could give it to one of your team and leaders and they can start going in and coaching straight away as well. So yeah, I'd love to make that available for your listeners, Mary. Wonderful. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in and thanks so much for lending us your time, Cliff. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been great to speak to you. And my thanks to the Safety Labs by Slice team, and bye for now. Safety Labs is created by Slice, the only safety knife on the market with a finger-friendly blade. Find us at sliceproducts.com. Until next time, stay safe. Stay safe.